Hey, writers, join our first draft weekly writers club. We meet every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern time. For more information, go to writingclassradio.com and click on the classes tab. Allison Langer. I'm Andrea Askowitz, and this is Writing Class Radio. You'll hear true personal stories and learn how to write your own stories. Together, we produce this podcast, which is equal parts heart and art. By heart, we mean the truth in a story. By art, we mean the craft of writing. No matter what's going on in our lives, writing class is where we tell the truth. It's where we work out our shit. There's no place in the world like writing class, and we want to bring you in. Today on our show, we bring you a story by our very own, delightful, intelligent, Go on. very productive Andrea Askowitz. A version of this story was published in April of this year, 2023, on CNN. We're going to talk about how to bring in outside evidence, you know, like using like some other information other than what's in our own brains about our own selves, like actual research. And um, we'll also talk about using the news to create a story. And I'll just say that this was really hard for me because the best research I ever do is just like reading back in my own journals. Well, that's kind of more than what I do. So (gasps) you're a step ahead of me. You don't even read back on your own journals? No. Why? Old news. Bye-bye. Moving forward. I guess unless like I'm pressed to have to read something for class or, you know, bring something to a retreat, then I'm like, oh God, what do I have? Because please don't make me dig into my brain and start all over. Really? Yeah. Like sometimes when I'm looking at a story, I consult my old journals to see how I felt. You don't do that? I haven't. Wow. <laughs> no. No. And I think it's because if, if it's been five years, 10 years, I'm looking at it from a different perspective. So actually maybe that's why you do do it because then you can go back to the moment things like the shit hit the fan and then you can see, wow, this is how I've evolved. I can look back on it with the perspective. So actually, okay, maybe you're right. Maybe it's a good idea. All right. Back with Andrea's story after the break. Hey, writers. For the last 45 years, I've been going to tennis clinics to practice forehand, backhand serves. What does this have to do with writing? Well, practice, I've learned in the last 45 years, is what it takes to get good at anything. And that's why Writing Class Radio hosts a tips clinic, a writing tips clinic. We do this every second Saturday so that we can all practice going to scene, writing like we speak, omitting needless words, everything that it takes to become great, or at least better at writing. So join us every second Saturday from 12 noon to 1 Easter time on Zoom. To join, go to writingclassradio.com and click the link for the tips clinic. It's $10 and believe me, it's a lot cheaper than a tennis clinic. See you there. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with. 
at soundoff.network. We're back. This is Allison Langer, and you're listening to Writing Class Radio. Up next is Andrea Askowitz reading her story titled by CNN. It's called What Justine Bateman Gets Exactly Right About Beauty. Or we can use Andrea's title, which is You Look Great Because You've Aged. I can see why CNN gets the big bucks. <laughs> All right, Andrea, hit it. Justine Bateman, a star whose age I'm approaching, played Mallory Keaton on Family Ties in the 1980s as a teenager. In her early 40s, she says, she typed her name into Google for research and the search engine auto-populated looks old. Bateman, now 57, said she couldn't believe it. I couldn't see what they were talking about, she recently told 60 Minutes Australia. She said she likes seeing herself as a different person than the teen she played on Family Ties and that the way her face has changed represents authority. But Bateman didn't come to terms with the public's negative perception of her aging face overnight. I recently searched my own name online. No one is out there calling me old, but not because I don't look old. At 55, I do. Apparently, for too many in American society, that's not okay. At a party recently, I ran into a friend, Lisa Zwirling, who I knew in college. 35 years ago, she was adorable, full cheeks and a giant smile. I had full cheeks back then too. You look great, Lisa said. You haven't aged. I took it in. I said thank you and felt good for a second. But here's the thing. I have aged 35 years. I weigh about the same as I did in college, but that weight is distributed differently now. I no longer have the baby fat cheeks. My smile lines never go away. My hair, once black, is now more gray than black. My hair used to curl in perfect ringlets. Now it's a frayed mop. Everyone, and I mean everyone I know or even meet once, is quick to suggest a hair product. My mom has loosened up on her hair dye campaign because she knows it's a lost cause. She went hard about five years ago when I was nearing 50. Back then, she thought I'd want to try to stay young looking. She said, dye that mop. You look like an aging hippie. The truth is, I look older since the last time Lisa and I saw each other. The other truth is, I look better, at least to me. I never felt beautiful growing up. I felt bulky and awkward in my clothes. As a girl in a beauty-obsessed world, I had to rely on other charms. Back then, I was a clown. Now, I feel cheated because now that I feel beautiful, most people can't see how beautiful I am. They can only see my age. And I'm not talking about the beauty that comes with confidence. Frankly, I look better physically. I like looking like an aging hippie. And jeans and a t-shirt just fit. Lisa looks better now too. She has the same big smile and friendly demeanor. But there is something about her face that I like more. I didn't stare. I don't know exactly what about her face is more pleasing, but it is. What wasn't pleasing is what happened in February after Madonna appeared at the 2023 Grammy Awards. The internet went crazy over the work Madonna had done to her face. Madonna tried to defend her position in an Instagram post. She wrote, I am happy to do the trailblazing so that all the women behind me can have an easier time in the years to come. 
I consider Madonna one of the most influential leaders of my generation, a group that includes my friend Lisa and Justine Bateman. When Madonna's book Sex was published in 1992, I was 24. I had just come out as a lesbian. The book was scandalous with pictures of Madonna fully naked and explicit sex shots, including homosexuality. Whatever you thought about the book then, Madonna changed cultural perceptions of sex and all kinds of sexual expression. She helped pave the way for queer people, including me. Madonna clearly sees herself in a leadership role too. Madonna's fake face though, that's bad leadership. But I don't expect Madonna to carry the burden of influencing society's views on age and beauty alone. During her acceptance speech at the 95th Academy Awards in March, Oscar Best Actress winner Michelle Yeoh, who is 60, said, Ladies, don't let anybody tell you you are ever past your prime. And Best Supporting Actress winner Jamie Lee Curtis, who is 64, called herself an old lady in an E! News interview on the red carpet before the Oscars. She said her goal in life was simply to say, relax, you are enough. Bateman also told 60 Minutes Australia she wanted women to stop being consumed with how they look and to get out there and live their lives. She said, forget about your face. Attitudes are changing because of Hollywood stars like Yo, Curtis, and Bateman. But we non-celebrities also play a part. If we can't stop talking about looks altogether, let's at least stop saying, you look great, you haven't aged. I circled back to Lisa at the party and tried something radical. I said, you look great because you've aged. She agreed. This narrator really does walk the walk. I'm sure I'm one of those people who have said die that mop and uh, suggested products and all that kind of stuff. But this narrator doesn't care. She's really happy with who she is. And it's really nice. It's really nice to be around. And I'll tell you why also is because when you're around somebody who's happy with themselves, they're not judging you. But when you're around somebody with the Botox and the fake everything, it's just like, oh God, what are they thinking of me if I don't have all that? And so it's difficult. It's difficult to uh, associate all the time with with people who are trying so hard to to grasp onto their their youth. So it's if more more people were like this narrator, then more of us would be okay with how we look. So okay, that's not about the writing. That's about the story. What we love to do is talk about the writing. This narrator did a perfect job of bringing in the news and its examples and all that kind of stuff. So, and, and very great research. So I just kind of want to ask her like, well, what went into all that research and how did it come about? And I want to learn more about the process. When I see someone who has work done on their face or something, or someone who's like really trying to fight against age, I don't think, ooh, are they judging me? But I do judge them. I do. It's not nice. I do. I mean, I wondered though, I wanted to ask you if the way that I described Madonna in this story, did you understand? Like, I wonder if, if someone who didn't see the whole, like I just saw tons of pictures of her on, in the news and, and on Instagram. I haven't seen her face. I haven't Googled her or anything, not even through this piece and seeing it and looking at it and all that kind of stuff. I already know. So did you get a sense of what she looked like? We live in Miami. 
we already see these people everywhere. It's like overdone. And I, I, without even seeing it, I know how she's fucked herself up. Okay. Cause I wondered if that came through for someone who maybe doesn't live in Miami or didn't look at, didn't like research what Madonna's looking like or didn't see her in the news. But anyway, I guess it's not important. Basically, she had a lot of work done on her face. But you asked me about the process. I want to tell you two things about the process of getting the story published in CNN. When Madonna first showed her face, I was so like, oh my God. And I wrote a story just about Madonna. And I sent the story to an editor at CNN, Katya Heder. And um, I took a few days, like, because it takes me a while to write a story. Like some people can write a story like overnight, but I probably, it probably took me three days. And Katya read the story. She liked it. In the morning when I sent it to her, it's like, I really like the story. But then a few hours later, she was like, it's too late for this story. So I'd missed the news cycle. If something happens in the news that touches you personally, you have to jump on it like that day or the next day. So three days was too many days. So then what happened is Justine Bateman came out. She spoke to 60 Minutes Australia about her own, like that, this whole part that I talked about, about the aging. And Katya Heder emailed me. The editor from CNN was like, listen, this idea is coming back around in the news. Maybe you could add stuff to it, use some of your Madonna material and talk about yourself and write a story around the Justine Bateman moment, which was the coolest thing. Yeah, I want to jump in because I just want to tell our listeners that this request came in while we were sitting at lunch on the way from Sedona back to Flagstaff when we were teaching these scientists how to write their stories and this and that. And we drove, Andrea jumped in the back of the van and- Wait, weren't we like at the Grand Canyon? Because I remember at that one restaurant, you're like, ah, I got to sit off to the side and I've got to start this thing. So we were on a road trip and then we got to Sedona and you and I sat in, in a coffee shop going over this and rereading it and putting in stuff and editing it and before you push send. Right, because I knew I had one day to turn it around. I knew that the news was that minute. I had to watch 60 Minutes Australia. Justine Bateman, she she also wrote in, now I can't remember, but there was another article about her where she was quoted. I had to do the research very quickly and turn it around very, very quickly. It was exciting and scary. But what's really cool is that the first rejection turned into an acceptance. So, you know, it's just great to hear, I'm sure, for people out there who have gotten rejected. Writing is a long game. It's like you really have to make connections with editors. You have to pitch a lot. You get rejected a lot, but sometimes an editor will remember you. And sometimes they'll remember you and then and then reach out to you. That's so rare. I think it's the first time it's ever happened. But I can now reach out to her again. So now we have a connection. Yeah. No, it's really cool. And you're a hard-ass worker. I would have been like, I'm on vacation, you know? <laughs> but I remember you're like, should I try to do this? Should I try to do this? And, and your wife, Vicky, and I were like, yes, just do it. Just do it. I mean, I do have something to say about aging and beauty. I do. I've written about it in other places too. When I turned 50, I wrote a story in Glamour about how I think I look better than ever. So this is like a recurring theme for me. Did you see the Barbie movie? No. Did you? I, I really like the Barbie movie, but the one... Well, I have two problems with it, but one of the problems is 
they don't contradict the idea of traditional beauty enough. Not for me. And I was having this conversation with my wife and Tashi, who's my daughter, who's 19. And Tashi has a really interesting experience with beauty because she's young and fucking gorgeous. And it kind of pisses her off that that's the thing people notice about her first. And Vicky said something really smart, which was, you know, we look to art, we look to music, like we as a people, we're drawn to what's beautiful. And that kind of made me think a little bit differently about, I, I, I think that beauty is, is, is wonderful, but we have to, what I think we have to do is see beauty in different ways, especially on women yeah. at different ages. Yeah. I don't have anything to say about Barbie. I've heard, I've only heard a critique from two people. One, my son who hated it, they're men and another man who was like, mm, I didn't like it. So I didn't get into it too much, but my daughter saw it last night, but I haven't talked to her about it. Well, it was really fun. And beauty was one of the themes. So that's why I mentioned it. Can you maybe give us all a little bit of insight of how you came to the fact of that you're aging and you're feeling more beautiful? Why is that, you think? I mean, what I said in the piece is that I really didn't feel that pretty as a high school and college kid. Like I felt bulky. Like I wasn't the stereotypical beauty. You know, I'm muscular. I'm like... I think I'm cute. Like, I think my face is okay. I do. I mean, it's okay. I don't think I'm drop dead gorgeous. Like, I, I think there's something to be said for that. Like losing beauty has to be harder than never having felt beautiful. Right. So, I mean, I was kind of cute in high school. And you're kind of cute now. If you compare, which we should never, never, never do, then I don't feel so much but I'm doing all the things. I'm dyeing my hair. In fact, I'm going to get a blow dried tomorrow just because I want to look cute for New York. And, you know, I don't know, but at the end of the day, it's, it's for me. I just want to feel pretty. And um, I think that's important for everybody. So no matter what people do, in my opinion, if it makes them feel beautiful, if it's writing, if it's playing pickleball, if it's doing your hair, you know, getting some Botox, I'm fine with it. I know that you don't necessarily feel that way, but I just want people to just feel good and that's it. But please don't overdo it. I want people to feel good too. I just, it makes me feel sad when someone has to kind of mutilate their face and spend money. And that makes me feel sad if they feel like they have to do that. And I actually also think it brings down, it brings down our sisters. And that's why I'm committed to being as natural as possible. Amen. But I, I'll try not to judge. Though I can't say I don't, I do. <laughs> well, thank you guys for listening. And thank you, Andrea, for sharing your story and your opinions. I'm always a good thing. We love that here at Writing Class Radio. Well, this was an opinion piece. Exactly. Bam. Writing Class Radio is hosted by me, Allison Langer. And me, Andrea Askowitz. Audio production is by Matt Kundle, Evan Serminski, Chloe Imon Lane, and Aiden Blassie at the Sound Off Media Company. The music is by Justina Chandler. There's more writing class on our website, writingclassradio.com, including stories we study, editing resources, video classes, writing retreats, and live online classes. Join our community by following us on Patreon. 
And if you want to write with us every week, we hope you do. You can join our first draft weekly writers group. You have the option to join me on Tuesdays, 12 to 1 Eastern time and or Eduardo Wink, Thursdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern time. You'll write to a prompt and share what you wrote. If you're a business owner, entrepreneur, community activist, and group that needs healing and want to help your team write better, we can help. Check out all the classes we offer on our website, writingclassradio.com. Join the community that comes together for instruction and an excuse to write and the support from other writers. A new episode will drop every other Wednesday. There's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone has a story. What's yours? Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's take this outside. A new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's take this outside. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at ivisonvoice.com slash podcast.